Hello and welcome back to another episode of Control-Alt-Delete. My guest today is with psychotherapist and anxiety expert Anna Martha. I wanted to do a special episode on how to deal with anxiety and any anxious feelings, especially circumstantially right now. We're in the middle of something that we've never experienced before and there are a lot of anxious feelings going around. We're all probably reading the news more than normal and also just frantically trying to adapt to a new way of life. So I thought Anna would be the perfect guest to talk about what to do in a situation when you don't know what to do and really just how to try and get any of that anxiety and stress under control. She's incredibly passionate about taking therapy out of a therapy room and making it in general accessible for everyone and really empowering people to use simple techniques in their own homes and reframing the way that we think about anxiety and the way that we deal with our own mental health on a daily basis. She runs a hugely popular online course called Reframing Anxiety, which I've read and taken and it really helped me. So I wanted to bring you an episode with some of that accessible mental health advice during this tough time that we're all collectively going through. Just wanted to give a quick mention to Anna's new book that's out in May as well called Mind Over Mother, Every Mum's Guide to Worry and Anxiety in the First Year. I also just want to apologise in advance for the audio quality from my side of this conversation. Anna sounds good, but my mic unfortunately didn't get picked up on the software we were using. And I'm just still adjusting to this new setup of remote recording. So really hope you don't mind too much and it will be fixed for future episodes. I hope you enjoy it. I think it was a valuable conversation. It definitely helped me. And I really loved Anna's tips on staying calm, staying mindful and staying present during these very unprecedented times. Thanks again for listening to this podcast and I will see you again next week. So I'm so excited to be joined with you, Anna. I feel like this is a, a an episode that needs to be released right now uh quite selfishly for myself but hopefully for the people listening so thank you well thank you for having me it's a real pleasure firstly I, I wanted to ask you if it was possible to sort of just explain a little bit about your background and also I guess your own relationship with anxiety because when I was reading the course obviously you are a psychotherapist and an expert and all these things but I didn't realize like the personal element as well yeah, so I've found it so interesting because I on on social media I started sharing my personal story before I started sharing my professional experience. So it kind of happened a little bit backwards. But I am a psychotherapist by trade. I did a degree, then I did a post like lots of postgrad qualifications and I have worked in lots of different contexts really from GP surgeries to kind of private practice to doing doing talks on kind of self-worth and self-esteem so a bit of a mixture which I love and I've been I write a lot about mental health and anxiety and I'm so passionate about anxiety because we can change so much I think for so many of us we just accept a level of anxiety as normal and it just you know it kind of just chips away at our enjoyment of things and that sense of I'd know just like peace and happiness and it takes up so much precious headspace and it's it just quickly became my favorite thing to work with because a I saw how all these different approaches and techniques changed my own life but b you you just can see change so quickly in people when they 
kind of put the effort in in implementing different techniques it's amazing it really is and also I d- you probably hear this a lot but I I find it very useful when we give something a language and we give it a label and I know that I have things that I do and like the minute I can say okay feeling anxious that's what that is it's really nice to know and sort of how is it under it being a, a real thing but I I, I wondered because like for me personally it's like my sleep is really affected weirdly I like itch my body a lot <laughs> I don't know if that's a weird thing but and I feel like there's lots of like manifestations obviously very physically and I just wondered do you find sometimes it's quite a weird one because there's so many things that can be housed under oh that's an anxiety thing yeah I think even with my book I use the word worry and anxiety because I know that a lot of people don't necessarily identify with anxiety for themselves like the word until I actually start talking about it with them and they're like oh my goodness I never realized that that was anxiety. And I I've just suddenly remembered this moment. I must have been about 14. And I remember being at this family party. And my brother was leaning against this fence in the pub garden with a beer. And um, he goes, Anna, do you ever like, wonder what would happen if I just broke this bottle and just ran into this crowd of people? And I was like, Oh, my goodness, I completely have thoughts like that. I just never knew it was a thing. And it's just intrusive thoughts where our brains are kind of playing with power and responsibility and risk and all of those things. I didn't have a word for it. I just felt that it was just a crazy way that my that my mind worked. And then I remember Russell Brand years ago talking about intrusive thoughts and like self-sabotage. And I was like, oh my goodness, there's a word for this. And as I continued my training... And learning about all of these thoughts, so many of us, like we experience a lot of shame over or they're really hidden, you know, just having words and having a language for them and knowing that you're not alone in them and understanding like why we have them, you know, that in itself can be completely life changing. And it's like the more you educate yourself, the more, you know, empowered you feel because I now understand, I mean, not to the the level that you do obviously but like I know kind of the basics now of like oh I'm in a, re- a repetitive loop like when you know when you're just going round and round and round and it's almost like learning how to break that cycle has been a huge challenge a challenge and I think the more there's a lot of what ifing going on right now you know in our culture there's just it's such a time of uncertainty isn't it and I think that sense of being out of control is like really polarized for us because all of those things that we might have controlled in in big and small ways in normal life, you know, suddenly everything just feels very wobbly and the ground just feels like it's shaking a little bit. And that sense of control is really important. I think we're just what ifing, you know, what if this happens? What if that happens? Or what if that happens? Then that happens. And it, and we end up in that kind of cycle of of overthinking, and then we start often feeling physically anxious because that overthinking is normally like negative things isn't it it's not normally going down like positive routes so our our minds are then telling our bodies that we're under threat and then we do get some of those kind of physical manifestations of anxiety as well yeah and I really found it useful in your course when you split out the different triggers that can set us off and feeling anxious um obviously you've got like the personality triggers and and things like that but then the one I guess I was drawn to today was um, thinking about circumstantial triggers. So like the what's going on in the world, I suppose now more than ever, we are feeling that lack of control. We literally don't know what's going on. Yeah. Do you have any any kind of top tips for right now around the circumstance kind of piece? I think number one is always just 
compassion and kindness just being kind to yourselves you know I think we're so naturally quite critical we we have quite standards or high standards often for the way that we think and the way that we cope and the way that we respond to things and you know someone told us a year ago what would happen now we'd be like are you actually having a laugh like what kind of film what kind of (laughs) what kind of film have you got this from and we would just be like well that that would just be so hard like not seeing friends and family and and you know loved ones being at risk and not being able to access things that we normally do and the things that keep us kind of sane and stable and you know I think just having some compassion for ourselves this is completely uncharted territory you know, we don't have a map for this. And it's really, I was thinking the other day about, I went to see this personal trainer once. I did one of those groups on the common. I never went back for this reason. He kept saying, do 10, 10 press ups. I was like, okay, yeah, I can do that. And then he, we'd done 10 and he said, 10 more, 10 more. And he just kept telling us 10 more, 10 more. And it was, you know, you kind of just lost, you lost faith. Yeah. It's never going to end. And it kind of almost feels a bit like that at the moment. There is, you know, we, we get to a point and then, you know, countries are then told, well, you have to stay at home for another two weeks. And they were like, oh, but I thought I was at the finish line. And, you know, it's that it's that kind of lack of being in control and that lack of knowing that is just, it's wobbling all of us. And I think any historical kind of challenge with anxiety is now, you know, being massively triggered for people. And I think we need to be kind to ourselves. There's a lot of grief going on here. And it's not necessarily just for the kind of the physical losses, but it's grief for the loss of life as we know it. Cancelled parties and weddings and just not being able to do the little things that we didn't realise at the time, quite how much a big part they had to play in keeping us feel like ourselves. Like I'm really missing just seeing mates and walking with friends and, you know, having someone around for dinner. So there's a grief. And when because it's loss, isn't it? It's loss of normal and not quite knowing how that's going to return and when. So I think we need to be kind to ourselves. Yeah, it's really interesting people using the word grief, because again, it's really great to like have a word that we understand for some emotions that we're feeling. And we all know that grief, there's no rule book for that either. And you can be, you can wake up one day and actually feel fine and then wake up one day and not feel good. And it's just like riding those waves and being compassionate to yourself more than anything else. It's interesting because I, the circumstance triggers, it's like, well, of course, we are responding to the outside world a lot of the time. And I, I think not that long ago, there was a tweet that a YouTuber had said, I can't remember what it was, but it was like, remember that anxiety is, is created by you. And it got loads of backlash because people were like, that's not necessarily helpful to kind of go back into that blame game of like, oh, it's me then. Because sometimes I find that you can get more anxious about the anxiety. Yes. Oh, yeah. And we get anxiety, anxious about anxiety because it is, you know, it's just that pertinent feeling of being out of control. And I think to a level we're responding in a very natural way to the circumstances. You know, everything is different. That is anxiety provoking. That is confusing. It's concerning. It's scary. And I keep saying to people that I coach and friends of mine that I'm like, this is just so hard. I feel bad for finding it so hard. And I'm like, it is hard because it is hard. It is worrying because it is worrying. Like we're just, I think we so easily invalidate our emotions. And I don't know about you, but I've been watching the news a bit. And I've got also friends that are on the front line in different positions, be it at supermarkets or, you know, by the beds of people in hospitals. And I just keep finding myself so tempted to compare away my feelings like, oh, I can't find this hard because I'm not 
in a I'm not working in a hospital. Oh, I shouldn't be finding this hard because I'm not on my own in my home. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's another thing we need to be really careful of because our feelings are valid regardless of you know what they are and how much sense they make and how conflicting they seem to be and when we just compare them with other people's circumstances we just invalidate them and we just put put them behind a dam you know and they're still there but we're just not processing them so they'll come out sideways at snipe at my husband or you know I cry because you know just a a little thing you know those yeah that suddenly we we kind of lose it over because actually we've been telling ourselves it's not right to feel certain things so it's just really important to validate those emotions and trust that they'll come and go that's really good advice because I think a lot of the shame aspect of anxiety as well is like you feel selfish for feeling a certain way when you probably don't have it that bad in air quotes but yeah it's it's really I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take that on board yeah (laughs) and I think you know what we can use I spoke to a really good mate of mine who's a who's a GP and she's in a, working in a hospital and she was telling me about what it's like to be on the front line at the moment and I found you know I think we have to use those experiences not to shame our feelings but to help us appreciate the positives of our situations of course you know but not to shame our feelings because yeah then we just tuck them away they don't get processed I wanted to ask you specifically about this thing that I recently learned about, which is this act of like rehearsing for a bad case scenario, the worst case scenario, you know, in your head, basically preparing yourself for like the worst happening. And it's it's a weird one, isn't it? Because now I know what it is. I'm like, oh, I'm doing it. I'm doing the rehearsing thing. Like when you imagine that someone you love has just died so that you're like, practicing like being okay or whatever it's kind of dark but I wondered um what are the benefits of like preparing yourself in a way for like some pessimism of life because it is good sometimes to be like oh what if there's a delay in the traffic because then you're not shocked when it is but when it comes to those big moments like do you have anything do you have anything that you could offer for people that tend to catastrophize quite a lot I remember lying in bed one night and my husband he works in London it's a good kind of hour and a half commute from where we live and he was back really late and I couldn't get hold of him on the phone he wasn't answering his text message so I lay there in bed my three kids were asleep and I just remember going through this entire scenario in my mind of like well he's obviously there's been a terrorist attack and he's being killed and how the heck am I going to tell my children am I going to have to move back in with my parents would they should the kids come to the funeral and I started feeling absolutely devastated it was like I was feeling some of that grief I was projecting my my whole life and my whole self into a future that hadn't even happened and I was feeling some of what I might have felt and I think what we do in those moments is we kind of kid ourselves that actually should that worst case scenario happen we'll be able to go ha there we go I knew this was going to happen don't worry I have prepared myself you know I think what we try and do is protect ourselves from the pain by preparing ourselves when actually you know we sadly lost my sister when she was nearly seven when I I was 10 and no matter how many times we had played that scenario over and over in our minds when it actually happened it didn't make it less painful all it did was 
made sure that we felt that pain more than once you know all it did all it does is it makes now a pretty painful and and rubbish experience when it doesn't need to be and it might never be Mm. in in our worst case scenario so I think we just it's a way of trying to get control isn't it it's a way of trying to emotionally prepare ourselves so it should the worst thing happen it doesn't hurt as much but in reality all that does it still hurts if it does happen it just robs from now god that's such a good way of putting it you're almost like sabotaging your ability to be happy in the moment yeah you know with there's so much anxiety now isn't there around this virus and for people that I've I've got a couple of friends who who've experienced the virus and they said you know they the one friend said to me Anna I just wish I just enjoyed those times when I was healthy instead of wrecking those times and those all that potential joy and laughter around my family we're freaking out about the virus because it didn't make it easier it just made those few weeks less pleasant such an interesting one because it's like when you're in the middle of it all your brain can be so scrambled and when you look back we we don't know how we'll look back on this and think oh that you know we had three months at home or you can look back and think why didn't I do this this and this but if you take each day as it comes and live in the moment yeah and I think when we look back on stuff we forget the intensity of the emotion at the time and we forget actually how much of a big deal it was just to kind of carry on and get through the day sometimes you know we kind of lose compassion for ourselves in retrospect on that note actually of like taking it day by day uh there were some lovely bits in your course there's loads in there but I just wanted to ask you about some of the the very practical kind of bringing yourself back to that moment because I I saw I think Elizabeth Gilbert recently said something about can you name like three things you can smell or two things you can hear and you, you there's a really great bit in your course which expands on that sort of that that exercise yeah it's kind of just gently nudging yourself back to now because really that is the only thing that is real like we can plan and look at logistics for a future that hasn't yet happened so that we know that they're there you know we we know what we need to do and it's kind of like I say to people it's like building a war bunker you know back in the war they would have these bunkers and they would kind of stock them up with some tins of things and some blankets and it's like we can do that when we make plans it's like we're building our bunker when we feel anxious and we're going over and over future scenarios it's like the sun is shining and everything is safe but what we've done is we've decided we're just going to get into the bunker now. You know, that's what it does. It, it brings the kind of any potential negative experiences of the future into now, when actually now it's kind of it's kind of all right. And I think what mindfulness does and what gratitude does, it draws our attention from what could go wrong to what is currently going right. Yes. God, it's so interesting because I, when I'm feeling really anxious, I do this thing and I know I do it. And my boyfriend is like, you're doing that thing again, where I get my diary up, like my calendar on Gmail. I just look at all my weeks and months. And and sometimes my weeks aren't that busy, but I just go over and over and over like my plans, my plans. And it's like, I don't know why I do it. It's almost like I'm trying to understand like what I'm doing like all the time in the future and it's just pointless it's just a bit much you know you're kind of putting yourself in that situation of overwhelm aren't you and something I keep repeating to myself at the moment when I find myself kind of racing ahead into the future because you don't know how those events will feel you don't know how those diarized things will go what you're probably trying to do in that moment is trying to have a sense of control by 
looking through it all and working it all out and you know I (laughs) just keep telling people you've got just enough light for the step that you're on this step right now is the one we need to worry about yes we know there are more steps ahead we don't know how big they are we don't know how deep they are whatever you know but we've got enough resources for this one step and it's like looking at a mountain and thinking I'm never going to climb that but if you just focus on that one step at a time and trust that you've got enough resources or people around you and this is really important to get good at at asking for and accepting support when we need to you know all of that will give us enough to do what we need to do now Mm, love that imagine like this spotlight on this one step in front of me you know and I think sometimes just look ahead so far and it's good literally sometimes I genuinely just look down at my feet and I think this is where I am now this is it this is where I am this is what I need this is what I need to do is be here now and it's just sometimes those simple things that just kind of nudge our attention back to where it needs to be that's so helpful I actually wrote on a post-it note and put it on my laptop one day at a time at the moment and and what you've just said is almost like breaking that down even more it's not even one day it's like you know literally take each moment at a time second if that's what if that's what you feel you've got the resources for yeah just Mm. just be kind I also wanted to um, talk to you about journaling because that plays a lovely role in your course and just something that you speak really really well about and I wondered like for people listening who might think it sounds like something they just wouldn't want to do or they don't have time to do yeah what are the positives that you've seen from it because I personally do write things down a lot but I can I can understand for someone's like oh no I I don't want to journal that sounds like too much (laughs) yeah I think sometimes people just imagine that journaling is you know writing reams and reams and writing life story out and everything that you ate for lunch whereas actually I've got the journal I've got at the minute is one line a day it has like three tiny little lines and for me that is enough and I will keep that up whereas you know that's great looking at like reams of blank pages is just a bit overwhelming (laughs) um and it's really helpful I think because when we write stuff down we we it helps us process them and there's an there's an amazing like if ever you fancy a bit of a creative challenge and you want to learn something about yourself just put a pen to paper and literally write what you're thinking so it could start off with oh I wonder what's for dinner. I can't really face thinking about dinner again. Last night, I, you know, it's called a stream of consciousness. So it's it's just like a free flow writing stuff down. And often we can end up learning really interesting things about what we've been holding in our minds. And it can just take us on that kind of creative. It just unlocks things sometimes. And I've had clients that have had really interesting experiences like, oh my goodness, I never knew that I was actually really cross about that. Or I never mm. knew that I was really upset about that. And another good thing about journaling, I think it it's so encouraging when we can look back and see those times and those things that we thought would never end or those challenges that just felt kind of insurmountable. And then we can see that actually we've made it through mm. and it's kind of being able to see the progression and flick back. That can be really helpful as well. But it just, when we write our feelings down, it it's saying like you're telling yourself that you value your feelings enough to put pen to paper you know it's 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 kind of an act of validation and like value I so agree also I've been doing some journaling recently because I'm trying to work out my own patterns when it comes to like the time of the month 
and like my moods and I'm like oh I'm I'm really noticing now that I feel like this and then I feel like this and it's like I should by the age of 30 now know what I'm like but I've I've really tried to stick to it and actually have some like some things written down that I can go back to but isn't that so helpful? And I've done the same over the over the last year as well. Just kind of track things using an app. It's called Clue. It's quite helpful. And just starting to notice that around day 21, I have this kind of weird PMT spike. And then, you know, I tend to get PMT on these days. And I think beforehand, I just winged it. I would just have these times and you know what it's like, hormones can actually make it can be quite reminiscent of depression sometimes or quite strong anxiety. And I've had times where I thought, oh my goodness, I'm getting depressed again. But then as soon as I make that connection with the hormones, it just completely changes the way that I address it. Suddenly I know, actually, no, this is what happens and it's going to pass in a couple of days. Mm. I think you're right. It's so wise to know to start to learn the rhythms of your mood and like actually when I go to bed at this time I notice that I get more intrusive thoughts or you know if I drink too much then I notice that impacts my anxiety in this way so yeah just knowing yourself and it's funny because sometimes I think I also journal so that I can remember a, a moment how I'm feeling because I can forget because for example I get really really anxious before doing any sort of like live events but then at the end of doing it, I have to write down, like, I did enjoy that. You yeah. do want to do it again. Because otherwise, I just think of my anxiety and think I won't do it. Do you know what? Only yesterday I was encouraging a client to write. I was like, I was like, bear with me. This sounds a bit weird. But write <laughs> a letter to your future self from your current self. You know, next time, for some people, it's really hard to reach out, isn't it? When they're feeling rubbish, you kind of want a hedgehog and curl up into a spiky ball and keep the world out. And actually, we know that if we encourage ourselves to speak to someone, it's hard, but then often we feel really good for it. So, you know, it might be helpful yeah. to write a letter to yourself and be like, look, I know that you want to be a spiky hedgehog and curl up and retreat. But can you remember this time when you actually did have that phone conversation and it made you feel so much better so please get on the phone mm, it could be the same with like that time that you went for a run remember it was actually good afterwards <laughs> yeah Absolutely. that's really good advice being our own coaches and our own you know kind parents actually that brings me very nicely onto my last question for you which is um actually about parenting because obviously we're in this weird time at the moment where we're all inside and I don't have any children, but I have been thinking a lot about my friends that do and just how that must that must be impacting their their routines at the moment. And you have a book coming out soon. Is that right? Yeah. In mid yeah. Yeah. Called Mind Over Mother. And I wanted to, yeah, just maybe for anyone listening who is a parent and they are feeling anxious about about things like just a bit of a pep talk for them. Oh yeah, I've, I've been thinking a lot about this recently. I had a proper meltdown on Sunday and I can't even, I, I won't go into it, but it was a meltdown of all meltdowns. 
And I suddenly thought, you know, I'd been putting pressure on myself to do this and tick this box and do this craft thing. And I'm not really a crafty person, glitter, literally, you know, panic state. Oh, my goodness. Um, And I just had, you know, all I could see was the weeks ahead spanning with all of this stuff. And, you know, I'd got a routine written down and, you know, it just felt so overwhelming. And then I suddenly realized and remembered, you know what, the one thing, my one responsibility at this time when the world feels like the ground is shaking and everything is different my responsibility is to look after myself so I can be the anchor for my children and suddenly everything else just kind of fell away as less important and I just thought right I've got to really put in place really prioritize the things that keep me healthy mentally physically because then I can be that anchor for my children when they're having wobbles when they're you know, when they're feeling like they don't understand what the heck's going on because they can't see their friends and they're sick of them, they're sick of the sight of me. Yeah, I think that's the important thing is that often we think about loving other people is about giving all of ourselves, but then we just end up kind of burnt out and left with scraps. Mm. And I know that if I don't look after myself and take space where I can, and that's not, you know, we have to be a lot more creative at the moment as to how we get that. You know, I'm a lot more snappy. I don't respond in the way that I really want to with my children. I'm much more likely to cry because I've got the cereal out of the cupboards. So they do not get the best of me. But when I sneak off for a bath or when I, you know, get up earlier and do a workout and a mindfulness thing, I'm putting myself first in those moments but then it enables me to to anchor them and be more consistent for them. So that it's kindness, isn't it? Again, it all just comes back to being kind to yourself and realizing that to love other people, you, you've got to look after yourself. Oh, that's amazing advice. You're so right. And I know I never really understood how there was this message around like to be a good person you have to put yourself at the bottom of the pile it's like that doesn't make sense no I live life like that for a long time and it's just exhausting and yeah you don't get what you want out of it because you can't please everyone totally oh well thank you so so much Anna that was really I genuinely feel like a lot more relaxed now like my shoulders have just dropped just you know I keep telling everyone breathe 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 because I think when there's ongoing like a stress and anxiety we do this really shallow breathing thing without even realizing sometimes we hold our breath so just Mm. literally breathing in for four through your nose and out for kind of six or seven and doing that doing it 10 times but honestly even if you can just do three your whole body will feel different. Your mind will slow down. You'll be able to a- access your rational thoughts more. So, yeah, good. I'm glad. I'm glad that your shoulders have dropped. Good. <laughs> it's amazing. I literally have just realised my whole body has like changed position from the beginning of this interview. So, thank you so so much. Where can people find you online if they want more of this? So, I mostly hang out on Instagram, and that is at Anna Martha. That's yeah, and then there's links to other things, you know, websites. Yes, and I do really recommend your course. Is that is that available? That's available on your website. That is available on my website. Yeah, and I'm starting a little mini podcast launching next week. Just literally ten minute thoughts twice a week. Brilliant. That feels like a an exciting venture. I'm going to be recording that on the my kids' floor, <laughs> like I'm saying now. So look out for that as well. It's going to be called the therapy edit. Oh, amazing. I'll be tuning into that. Well, thank you again so much. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Bye. Thanks for having me. Take care.